Hello, and welcome to the Tech Dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. The world is increasingly technological, so we have better get methodical. Bringing precision to critical digital journalism with the singular vision of a modern monocle. Stopping the copyright police from pulling the wool on us. Facing and taking on all the plates and pay to troll. Document the ways that they aim to take control. Scrutinize and do their lies and make them fold. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get hurt. To grab a shovel and dig up the tech. If we don't stand up to them, someone will get the internet was built on various open protocols. TCP IP is you know, underlying everything. SMTP is how we do email. HTTP and now HTTPS is how the web exists. RSS, believe it or not, is still a super useful protocol for syndication. And yet, those protocols are all pretty old. Um, nearly all of the recent success stories have been from proprietary companies building and owning an entire platform. They may release APIs for others to integrate, but they're not offering protocols. Facebook has built its own proprietary community, so has Reddit and Twitter and Slack. It feels more and more like we've moved away from the open protocol model to the more centralized command and control model where companies control everything. Perhaps it's no surprise why. While the open protocols may have inspired and enabled the creation of the wider internet that we all know and love, they don't necessarily make anyone super rich directly. On the other hand, the proprietary services have done that, building up numerous companies valued well over a billion dollars and making lots and lots of people very, very, very wealthy. Last year, when everyone was freaking out about how to balance free speech with abusive and harassing behavior online, I wrote a TechDirt post about why companies might want to start thinking about protocols rather than platforms, and how companies like Twitter and Reddit might even be more interesting if they were open protocols rather than proprietary platforms. My argument then was that the companies could still build their proprietary implementations on top of the protocols, including whatever kinds of filters and moderation they wanted, but that others could build other implementations and there would be competition at the service level. Perhaps not surprisingly, no one has taken me up on that yet. <laughs> Recently, our co-host, Hirsch Reddy, asked if we could do an episode thinking about what protocols might come next, and it's a good question. Though my first fear uh, in thinking about that, based on all of what I've said already, is that we're kind of beyond major new protocols at this point, though hopefully I'm wrong. One person with an alternative view is Albert Wenger, a former guest on this podcast, who recently wrote an interesting blog post suggesting that cryptocurrencies, blockchains, and the like could turn new protocols into profitable businesses by enabling a sort of token function whereby implementers would effectively pay to get a token to make use of the protocol protocol but could then create their own implementations here's the core of how he describes it uh, he said you can think of this uh, you can think of these like tokens you might buy at a fair to get on a ride Different operators can have their own rides and set their own price in terms of tokens. You only need to buy tokens once in exchange for fiat currency and then can use them throughout the fair. With blockchains, we now have a way of issuing and redeeming these tokens digitally. A for-profit company can now create uh, a new protocol and create value for itself and its investors by retaining some of the tokens. If the protocol becomes widely used, the value of the tokens will increase. For instance, think of a decentralized storage service like 
Amazon's S3. Anyone can implement the storage protocol in whatever language they want as long as they meet the protocol spec. They can then get paid in relevant storage tokens. The original creator of the protocol will make money to the extent that it is adopted and to the degree that they have retained some of the tokens so they can sell them at a higher price later on. That's how Albert describes it. I'm not sure if this is a, a really reasonable idea or not, but I wanted to discuss the idea, this idea of new protocols, whether or not we'll see any and what they might be, and also whether or not ideas like Albert's will help bring about a new round of protocols. So joining me as usual uh, are our co-hosts Hirsch Reddy and Dennis Yang. So let's jump into it. Hirsch, what do you think? You're the one who brought up this topic. <laughs> well, it went kind of in a direction that I wasn't expecting, but um, so so uh, that's like a really broad question. What do I think about it? You've, you've said a number of different sure, things. Sure, sure. Um, so, well, let's start with the basics. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you brought up this question of, you know, what kind of new protocols would we see and kind of what would they enable? And so let's let's start there. What do you think is, you know, is out there for the taking in, in protocol land? Well, you know, I don't think anything is necessarily out there for the taking, but I think there's definitely uh, a need for certain protocols, right? And um, just because there is a need, it doesn't mean that there's necessarily a very easy path to having sort of a business plan around that protocol that could allow you to start a company. And it doesn't even necessarily mean that if you got enough charity together that you could create an open source sort of foundation to promote the protocol. Because in some of the most exciting places where protocols would be beneficial, those are also the places where private companies are simultaneously releasing exciting products with proprietary pro protocols, right? So right. just to, to give you the easiest example of that, like it would be really great if instead of having all these different proprietary ways of doing instant messenger and platform-based chat, if we just had sort of a protocol that allowed different companies to connect their servers into right. sort of a common exchange. And, but we haven't got that, right? Well, people have tried. People have and tried. Exactly. And, and, yeah. they, and it hasn't been adopted, right? I mean, they, they were ignored. Exactly. And it's not for lack of a need of it, because obviously everyone wants to talk to everyone. Sure. I, I don't I mean, want to have nine that, apps installed. Well, I don't install. know. I mean, is it, 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 it really from it, who? It, well, here's the thing. Why do we, I need to have so many different instant messenger clients? It's simply because they don't talk to each other. Right. They don't talk to each other because they have these different sort of feature sets and non-overlapping uh, sort of protocols. And you would think that, so, you know, one of the arguments people make against sort of uniform protocols is simply the thing, you know, the argument against sort of web standards, right? The same kind of thing where, hey, evolution is so slow because anytime I want to introduce something new, uh, which doesn't fit into what the old protocol allowed, I have to wait for this whole committee right. to, you know, yeah. to say yes to it and blah, blah, blah. But I think there's actually ways of making uh, extensible protocols that allow you to sort of piggyback proprietary data onto an otherwise sure. commonly but, understood but data. I mean, you know, but you know, you're talking about messaging like that's exactly what they tried to do. Like literally exactly. the the mm -hmm. you know, the the messaging protocol was called the extensible messaging and presence exactly. protocol. Yeah, right? <laughs> oh, right. But here's so, but no, but, but that's but, my, so that's but, my point. My my no. point is that even when there's a need and even when the technology is carefully sort of targeted towards that, you know, that's yeah. why I said it, it doesn't necessarily mean there's an opening because there, it's so compelling to just fall into one of these uh, right. walled and gardens, right? And so, the, but so that's the issue, right? So, like, you know, let's go back a little bit, right? You know, in the early days of Instant Messenger, when you had all these platforms popping up, like, this was the fear. Like, everyone was saying, like, well, we had email, and email is this protocol. It's SMTP. Anyone can implement it, and we have this open standard, and it 
and it works. And so anyone can just create, you know, their own email platform. And, and so we saw all these wonderful things happen. And then they start to see all these proprietary instant messenger apps popping up. You know, you had ICQ at the time and Yahoo Messenger and AOL Messenger and MSN, right? And so they said, we have to build this, you know, this uh, protocol that will effectively connect them all. But nobody wanted it right i mean the the companies were just focused on on you know right. keeping everyone mm -hmm. in their walled garden and so there was you know even when you had clients that that could use the protocol like it didn't matter well i, I think there's two things that really set xmpp back and i think one of them is the fact that there was a mature marketplace with proprietary solutions before it was conceived and mm -hmm. so you kind of had to backport the xmpp back onto um, the earlier stuff. Whereas email was kind of there from the dawn of the internet sure. age. And so uh, it was much easier for the existing sort of uh, community of email users to kind of migrate onto uh, onto sort of an open standard, right? Or, or to rather, I, I guess the, ra the right way to say is to insist upon the open standard, right? Like if on day one, Hotmail was had come out and Hotmail said, hey, you can only send emails to other Hotmail users, mm -hmm. they wouldn't have got any users because there's so many ways of doing email, right? They weren't web-based, right. of course. Hotmail was probably the first web-based one. But uh, the whole utility of it was to be able to plug into the existing open protocol network. Now, that isn't the case with Messenger. And I think like AOL really shit the bed for all of us, pardon my French, because when, when they started their Messenger service, it could have very easily just have been, okay, you know, AOL Messenger will allow you to also talk to, uh, um, uh, what was the open one at that time? Um, or, and still is. Uh, what, IRC? Uh, IRC, sorry. Yeah. So, I right? You could have easily yeah. interoperated with it. They could have built a bridge, but they and didn't. No, nobody nobody built a bridge to IRC, right? Yeah. And that was, like, I don't know why. Uh, and, like, is, is there just not enough advantage for these messaging protocols, messaging platforms to embrace kind of an open platform? Like, what, what, why, why does that happen? I mean, well, I, think I, it's, I think it's the other way around, right? I mean, I think there's just so much incentive to build a closed uh, platform. Right, right, right. That's what I'm saying is that like the incentives it's, it's, for the companies to build a closed platform are just way too high, well, right? Yeah, but but that's kind of putting the uh, symptoms after the sort of the disease, right? It, it, <laughs> it, or before the disease. Uh, what If you really think about why those incentives come about that way, if you think about it for ICQ, if the population of existing ICQ users was mm -hmm. large enough and compelling enough such that the demographic that was jumping onto AOL Messenger really needed to talk to them. So, for example, if the teenagers using AOL Messenger in the early 90s, if they yeah. had said, hey, half my school is using ICQ, I'm not going to use AOL Messenger unless I can chat with them, AOL would have had the incentive to, of course, interoperate, right? But that wasn't the case. So I think when you have, when you're creating uh, something sort of de novo, then you have very little incentive to interoperate with these kind of really niche products that that don't that don't have you know enough spread to sort of demand you i mean i think part of the issue is that it's always going to be like the really successful ones aren't going to have no incentive whatsoever to embrace an open protocol and it's always going to be the guys you know who are coming from behind who who you know have that incentive and so without the dominant player agreeing to do it unless there's some other force that drives people and to it, adopt the open protocol, you're not going to get it. Right. I mean, I, I would also argue that the new players don't even have that much incentive to embrace the open protocol either because there's no existing, especially in the case of Instant Messenger, there's no existing kind of user base that uses it, right? So that's why 
the open protocol kind of continues to die. Um, I mean, since since the you know the late '90s, early 2000s, we've had more kind of messaging platforms, you know, in the in the form of Line, Kick, Telegram. Right. You know, these have all launched up in the over the past few years, and none of them are an open standards. And well, and on top of that, too, you have you have more and more efforts that feel like they're really efforts to move people off of open standards into proprietary worlds. I mean, you know, all the everyone's trying to replace email to some extent. You know, there are efforts now that are sort of, you know, you could argument attacks on the Web, whether it's like um, uh, I forget what, what Facebook's. I mean, Facebook itself is kind of an attack on the open Web. Yeah. yeah right? I mean, Facebook itself. And then they have, you know, what is that? What is their thing called? I'm blanking on the name for for their fast loading pages. Right. Oh, I for, yeah, I forget about that. Uh, you know, and that's the instant articles. Or yeah, instant articles, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right, and yep. so you know that is a proprietary, you know, yeah. thing that is Facebook specific, and so you have all these efforts that are basically moving people further and further away, and and you know, into but does the end user systems. care? Right, like does like the the old AOL user thought the internet was AOL, and the sure. and today's Facebook user thinks that the internet is Facebook and YouTube. It right, hasn't like, gotten that far. I wouldn't go yeah. that yeah, far. Oh, absolutely. There there right, have been yeah. studies that show that, that a lot of people think Facebook is the internet. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. maybe not in our world, but in lots and lots of people's worlds it is. So, but here's the thing, right, about, I mean, I think, I think I, I, we shouldn't sort of lament the passage of protoc- open <laughs> protocols yet. I, I think, let, let, let's think about it, right? Because y- y- there's, there are high barriers to jump when you come into a mature market and you're trying to introduce an open protocol, as I said, right? But there are circumstances in which the incentives will align. And we, we do see that also sometimes, right? Now, what, now, what's the last major open protocol that's taken off? Well, let me see. Like OpenStack in the data center. There's, um, there's like IPv6, that one, or whatever. Well, <laughs> no. I mean, IPv6 was sort of an, a necessary thing to keep the internet going, right? <laughs> I mean, I but think that's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> no, like, where wait. it's absolutely necessary, well, yeah. but here, you know, so. You can't get I, everyone to any. But to and agree, that's you know, and right? that's, that's but that's that's only that is just like solely a replacement for IPv4, right? I mean, okay. that's not that's not something <laughs> new, really. No, but but you know, look, there are there are look. Every time you see a new USB standard, that's a new protocol that everyone signed up to, right? Every time you Except see... Except for Apple, usually. Yeah, right. <laughs> Apple jumps out, but uh, the rest of the uh, peripheral industry jumps on USB-C. Okay, They'll jump okay. On, Har- hardware... hardware um, wireless standards, absolutely, that's, right? That's and true. That's true. Okay, so I'll, I'll give you that. In, in in the hardware world, I think that's true. I think I no, think you have I, well, USB and you, you have you no, know no, wireless it's, and it's um, not just the hardware, right, mm-hmm. Mike? It's also you will find in different circumstances when the interests of the parties align, right? Uh, you will find standards. Now, the, uh, some of these standards are not going to be sort of. Uh, well known to to everybody who's listening, you know, there's certainly standards sure. around doing MapReduce, around um, you know, it'll be built around like Hadoop or some other like an open source piece of software. We'll create sort of a standard, a bedrock platform on which other people build tools. There will be st- there's standard ways of doing data interchange. Um, okay, there's, okay. There's, there's, I, I mean, and and I'll I'll even throw out some more examples for you to prove that I'm not. <laughs> uh, I'm playing a little devil's advocate here, but there are, there have been some interesting standards, and like you know, one that I think is really interesting that's relatively new that that hasn't been that widely adopted yet, but I think is moving towards it is um, uh, it, it's the FIDO UTF 
um, which is for hardware security keys mm -hmm. to allow you to get into digital right. stuff, which are they're pretty awesome. And I think like more and more people are going to start start adopting them for two-factor authentication. And and actually, just recently there was an announcement, which you know this is a brand new open standard, and we'll see what happens with it. But I thought it was a pretty cool idea, which mm -hmm. is that um, uh, Google and um, Dashlane, which is like one of the password manager companies, mm -hmm. um, they announced this open standard. I think they were calling it. Open YOLO, <laughs> which <laughs> worst name. I know worst it is. Name. I, I kind of like it, but uh, it's uh, basically to allow like mobile apps to access password managers, so that you know you can still store your passwords mm -hmm. in a password manager and be able to get into mobile apps without having to like you know find the password, cut and paste, or there copy it in. And so like things like that are actually you know kind of cool, but you're not building massive things on them they're sort of no you know, add-ons no i think i think that no I, I think you have it reversed i think where the <laughs> opportunities are there to build an open ecosystem and where a lot of sort of big companies can benefit from the interoperability i think mm -hmm. that's where you do see the standards i think that's why in cloud software etc we we do see the emergence of lots of different kinds of standards um, a lot of times those standards are built um, not necessarily kind of the way HTML is, where you kind of have a document spec for a language or a data packet, but rather they are standards built around a piece of critical software, right? Like whether it be a, a virtual machine, uh, like KVM or something like that, or a standard could be mm -hmm. built around a particular set of system calls, like the various flavors of, flavors of Unix, right? Like you will find standardization in that way. And, and it plays the same role as it, 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 it presents a uniform API that everyone writes their software against. And uh, from the point of view of large companies, you uh, ignore or uh, that those types of standards at your peril because the whole industry can very quickly sure. just take off and leave you behind. And, and you'll see even big companies like IBM and Microsoft, et cetera, they'll jump on the train uh, and not try to promote some kind of a proprietary standard because they've seen in at least the enterprise space, that's a losing option. But I do think, I do think you might be right in the consumer space when we are talking about mm -hmm. uh, things like messengers and stuff like that where the standard is um, a standard between consumer-facing software. Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm trying to come up with an open standard that's come up in the last decade, and I really can't think of anything. And, and you might have a point there. I, I don't think you have a point with enterprise software. Okay. No, that's fair but, enough. Yeah. But, um, Dennis, can you think of anything? Not open really. Standard? I mean, like, I just keep falling back to the RSS Atom Wars, right? Like, that, no. that's kind of what I feel like open standards have become in our kind of the past decade when people try to create something open it just gets you know beat to death in 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 the debates and never you know never I gets mean anywhere. was there I mean there were there were attempts to do like um like the identification open standards right a little bit but it never really I mean right that I mean, never caught on never right? caught I mean, on ev ev so maybe they sort succeeded. of defaulted to, to <laughs> Twitter and and Facebook as yeah. as the identification and Google too I guess but so the protocol was actually agreed upon, but no one used it, maybe. Right. Which is not, which I guess is not good either. Right. Um, you know, for the longest time, I resisted using a Facebook login. I just, I just felt like, hey, you know, why am I turning over so much power to Facebook? And then, you know, probably after the 20th app asked me to either <laughs> sign in or just click the Facebook button, I was just like, this is so easy. I'm just going to click the Facebook button. Yeah, I did and that. I did that for a little while, and then actually, once I got a good 
good password manager, I switch back because then I, I basically get the same power, but through a, a password manager, and I, I remain in at least somewhat control. <laughs> <laughs> I, sh I should start looking into password managers. Oh, I, I can, I can. That could be a subject for <laughs> another podcast. I spend a lot of time researching them, but that's. Uh, <laughs> that's it, it, it might be it, it might be naive on my part, but uh, you know this kind of does segue into the the topic of of, of open standards, which is that when it comes to trusting big companies versus small companies, yeah. maybe perhaps naively, I think I can trust Facebook more because Facebook has so much money; they're not interested in my tiny bank account. But when I buy a password manager from some tiny, uh, you know, app developer that's on the Android store or something like that, I know nothing about sort of their financial. Yeah, with all, and I, I don't know if I should be trusting all my bank passwords to them. Um, well, that's, that's I mean, yeah, I mean, that, there's a big leap there from like signing up for a service and trusting your bank passwords to someone, right? So, I mean, it, it depends on the situation, right? I mean, I think there's always you're always in a uh, you know a, a, a just balancing different factors mm -hmm. in terms of you know what's worthy of trusting them and and what's not, right? But but, but one of the things I think that does tie into the protocols things is like. One of the things I've experienced with open protocol uh, projects is that when you go to a proprietary project, um, though it probably is not sort of uh, feature perfect, mm -hmm. and it'll have a lot of holes, there's a lot of annoyances with Facebook, um, yeah, there was with Twitter, Twitter's cleaned up its act a lot, but early on, I think you probably knew that it was unstable, you know, so you have these different irritations with the proprietary systems, but regardless of what those are, if you when you use an open one, those irritations with the open systems are so much worse, right? Like, it seems yeah. to me the number one thing that uh, that that is the biggest problem with them, I think, is that this they can't decide on just having a small, crafted, polished feature set. It just explodes with all these features, <laughs> and then they're, each yeah. one is garbage, and not there's no one small subset that just works well. Um, and I'm not going to call out any sort of. Uh, projects but why like not this, why would i do that because I, I feel like when people are working hard for free and not charging uh, me any money hypothetically hirsch come on <laughs> yeah. um but but you know when when it, there are a lot of people right now actually trying to start different standards for decentralized storage sure um you know just decentralized state management um there's even people that are trying to create open standards for so that people can instead of relying on centralized services like facebook etc they want to make these like uh, an open standard for uh, uh, a way for people to run um, uh, server software as kind of like the same way they run apps on their phones, yep. right? You just click something yep. and it launches uh, an AWS instance yeah. with your with your software, and that those kinds of things are, I think, super interesting. But I've played around with with a bunch of them, and none of them work as cleanly as double clicking an app in iOS, right? Yeah. Like, uh, and, and I'm not talking about iOS in 2016. None of them work even as cleanly as clicking on a app in iOS 2009. You know what I mean? As yeah, but I mean, was, yeah. and I think that's definitely true. And I played around with a few of those too. And but but conceptually, it's it is actually an interesting idea, right? It is. I, I think if we start, uh, you know, talking too much about the details there, it will be sure. going away from the sort of the open standards thing. Fair enough. Fair enough. But, but but the but the interesting thing there, I think, is is that I think it it, it gives us a little insight into why maybe. Uh, open standards uh, fail these days versus the proprietary ones, which is that I think the type of personalities that build open standards 
are very engineering types, right? They're mm -hmm. not necessarily your designers and that kind of thing. And these engineering guys, they, they go on, they get, you know, go into a, 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 a closed office and they just sit there and they code really hard and they make something that's complicated and it works okay. And they're super thrilled with it and their friends are okay thrilled with it. Uh, but strangers who use a product are just like, what the hell is this? Because it, they're often idiosyncratic. Um, I don't the, I mean, how, how the reference apps don't work that well. Go ahead. Like what was like a history of the, you know, like why was HTTP, like how was HTTP, you know, created? Like was it created with this kind of, you know, like, you know, there wasn't like necessarily a profit motive. It was kind of created back in the day when people were trying to transmit information around, the, right? If there, if there was a uh, an an open sort of, uh, well, look, it was the dawn of the internet age, right? Yeah. And at that time, everybody was jumping on to HTTP. And it, was, it wasn't like HTTP was trying to wedge into an existing. Right. Uh, and that's my, uh, that's my point is that like it was created in the time in which, you know, it was like scientists mm -hmm. trying to transfer information. And that was... Kind of it's certainly janky. I think you have to sure. agree, right? It's very janky. <laughs> JavaScript is extremely janky, and they only succeed because they didn't really have a, a competition at the time, right? And if they did have competition, um, that was sort of more widely accepted or sort of established. Yeah. I don't think they would have found purchase. I think especially JavaScript wouldn't have found purchase. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's true. So it's, but so again, I kind of wonder like, is, are there situations in, in sort of the modern world where we would see a parallel to that? Like, I mean, something new popping up that where there isn't sort of competition. Think about, think about the sort of self-sacrifice someone who makes a new breakthrough in software would need to make in order to sort of create an open standard around it, right? Yeah. Uh, so they would have to be the type of person or company that could create a very compelling product that can draw a huge number of users. And then at the same time, they should be the type of company that is just essentially giving away the keys to the palace, right? And if you, if you look at, let's, let's take, for example, a new messaging app that is uh, just blowing everyone away, right? In terms of how quickly it got market share how quickly people just became devoted fans of it, right? Like Slack. Mm -hmm. um, I couldn't understand at first why everyone was like, essentially abandoning ICQ and stuff, and uh, sorry, IRC channels, and mm -hmm. just going onto these Slack channels to talk about open source projects. I'm like, you guys are working on open source projects. <laughs> why aren't the conversations about the open source projects on an open you know, source platform? Yeah, on an open source yeah. platform. Why, why are they sort of like on this proprietary platform? And then you use it and you see how nice it is and how many additional features it has and how nicely right. it displays the code yeah, and then you're really like nice. oh my god it's really nice yeah. and then you think these guys could have very easily sort of made it an open protocol and yep. you know made an interchange form and all that stuff but if you really think about it they're trying to build a billion dollar company or now it's probably now they it's yeah. more they have yeah, yeah it's probably <laughs> no, they, they could though. have but they didn't have there's no advantage you know, to them. to them to do it on top of IRC right right yeah no, no I'm not saying IRC what I'm saying is even if what they built Right, they they could have right, built it as a protocol, yeah, right? And and so now, right now, we see clones, and there are some open source clones. Like I just wrote an article not too long sure. ago that that talked about like two of them. There's like Mattermost and mm -hmm. and Rocket Chat, which are they're clearly just like direct clones of Slack, but but open source, um, and and also like you know self hosted, where the idea is that right. you, are, you install are it they yourself good? And, and host. You know the the. Uh, at least Mattermost, I, I saw really good reviews about it. Rocket Chat, I didn't see as much about. It. I think it's a little bit 
um, earlier stage than than Mattermost. But yeah, you know, it's it's kind of interesting <laughs> that we're seeing that. But again, there's still I mean, that's open source, but it's not necessarily open protocol, right? Yeah. You know, one of the things, uh, Mike, you can really uh, that you would be super familiar with when it comes to these kind of low level standards and open protocols versus closed ones is, you know, why isn't the TechDirt website a WordPress website, right? Why is it <laughs> a proprietary one? Like there's, I mean, there it's exactly that kind of a thing, I think, where it's sort of like uh, the open source stuff gives you a lot of advantage. There's a huge ecosystem, right, around WordPress yeah. stuff now. So you, we might all actually call that a very successful uh standard if you will i mean it's it's kind of stretching the term standard to even call it right, standard, it, but it really it, is it, as a platform it's it's it's, a, it's an open source software but it's not it's not a protocol right i mean yeah i think that would be stretching the but if you look at it from a point of view of someone who writes pub uh, uh who writes plugins for publishing sure it very much acts like a protocol yeah, or I mean, a standard I, to I, them i right? see what you're people. saying Hirsch. like if there's, yeah, there's yeah a, i get it i it, get it you know wordpress as a community is much much larger than wordpress the company right and they're yep. able to do that because they do have strong you know kind of hard edges against which you can write your plugins and your themes exactly. against um which encourages kind of oh you know the community development on top of what you know, automatic. Does and and I mean, for for what it's worth, we're we've been in a very long process of actually moving to WordPress, so we will be there <laughs> eventually. Oh, you yeah. are going to WordPress. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, and, for, and for what it's worth, you know, I think we did consider it way way back when we put way, it. Way way back <laughs> when. <laughs> yes, we yeah. definitely did consider yeah. it, and we didn't. We might have. <laughs> I might, mean, things might have been different, but yeah. <laughs> well. It's subject I mean, for I, another I, topic. Yeah, it's yeah, subject yeah, for really another. Love to chat that at some point. But you know, one of the things that I I, I think is is like really crazy, right? Um, if you think about one of the most ubiquitous types of of of, of data that travels between people on a daily basis, um, you know, apart from email, obviously, email is is also ubiquitous. But apart from that, and apart from instant messages, it is documents. It is like. Uh, you know, Word documents, PDFs. Sure. And the fact that we don't yet have a nice open standards and editors to go with those open standards is astounding to me. And I know you guys will say, well, you know, Hirsch, there's ODF and open document format. And, <laughs> but it's, it's, that's kind of BS because, you know, yes. you, the yeah. editors for it don't really quite work. And though Microsoft claims that it supports it, and in, in fact, Microsoft says the DocX standard is an open standard. But if you ever try to hack <laughs> DocX, yeah. you'll right. see it's like, it's like no open standard you've ever seen before in your life. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. so crazy. I mean, the, the the spec file is like, you know, like it's like I think the 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 size of the PDF that describes the DocX standard is like 160 megabytes or something. Yeah. It's like huge. Well, that's because uh, it does a lot. And I think it, that it does a lot. Yeah. It, it, sure, but it's just I don't know. It's just like it's just so bulky. So but anyway, so but so, so right, yeah, I mean that that is one kind of I would say. It, it feels like when you when you make something an open standard, you're kind of making something for the lowest common denominator, right? Where you're not to be able to kind of make as many features as your community, your your customers want, and that might be hamstringing, you know, that protocol because you're you are you're kind of creating for that lowest common denominator. And it's like, sure, is that why these kind of proprietary protocols work a lot better, or or they, you put more support behind them because they can be more featureful? I don't know. I, I think, well, here's the thing, right? Like, I, I don't see why um, extensibility should be such a handicap to th something like a, a, a document format, right? I, I don't think there's anything wrong with sort of having a portion of the document that is widely understood by everyone and then having proprietary 
um, additional extensions. No, right? but then then what happens is you have you know you look at the document all of a sudden they have a big red X and my you know because my reader doesn't support this proprietary mm -hmm. thing you threw in and then you know so great like the the title of the document everyone agreed how to specify that but everything else is kind of proprietary like is that really a protocol just be, just because it's extensible you know mm. um, you know that's a good point that's a good point I think. Uh, yeah, I think I think you're right. At least with documents, I think if you put too much proprietary stuff in there, then you end up yeah. essentially debt by a thousand. Cuts so 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 let me let me bring in a couple new directions. I mean, I mean there is like in the cryptocurrency world, like I mean there is like a Bitcoin protocol, right, for people building. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So right. That, so I mean that that could be a protocol in the past ten years. Right? Is that it? No, that's the, that's not really. No, 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 no consumer is is. Uh, I mean, it's using it's more so, widely adopted than most other well, protocol so projects out there, right? Decentralized currencies and sort of decentralized state management protocols are kind of a different animal, I think, uh, than the protocols we're talk we've been talking about. Um, and uh, you know, one of the things like you know, people are always like, oh, you know, once we have these decentralized currencies. Uh, and you guys know I've been I've been pretty bullish on decentralized currencies to the extent that I've argued with other guests on the show about how Bitcoin is not dead, etc. So I'm by no means, uh, uh, you know, a skeptic of them or anything. But I will say that when people say, hey, you know, all we need for protocols to flower is that, you know, we need these decentralized currencies because what will happen is each new protocol will get married to a new currency. And as right. the protocol takes off, the currency will have worth. And that's right. So that that's yeah. like the Albert argument. So I and, and I do want to get to that. But I was talking about just like the Bitcoin protocol itself. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, what? Oh, I mean, let's look at it this way. Right. Like a, a currency. Even the dollar is a protocol in a sense. It's a protocol that holds value. It's an agreement between people. It's a standard as a hold of, as a hold of value. And in that sense, I think that's right that Bitcoin has succeeded as a protocol in that it's a hold of value. But I don't think that's a protocol in the same way as saying, has Bitcoin succeeded as sort of a, a API against which you can build other decentralized applications. I don't think so. I think well, it's but I mean, there have been there have been a lot of things built on top of, of Bitcoin. There have been attempts to do other stuff. Or, or you could argue that, like, you know, ones, you know, systems like Ethereum that are trying to be a little sure. More advanced. I think I think you would be, it would be fair to say Ethereum is making more of sort of a so protocol. so 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 maybe you know so maybe there's this, a new space for open protocols in the the sort of cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. Uh, blockchain well, world, right? I, I think there is probably a space for a protocol in sort of this in in this sense. In mm -hmm. that once you have something like Ethereum, which is kind of a general purpose distributed uh, state management and slash programming platform, you can build various protocols on top of it. But mm -hmm. what what that does is it kind of goes against uh, the principle that you were saying in terms of that creating an incentive for somebody to um, uh, essentially get an incentive by uh, by having a, um, uh, a, a, a payback when the protocol succeeds. Right, right, right. right. Well, um, yeah. And, um. and, and, so, and, so, and so because it's all on Ethereum, it's not like you get a Ethereum payment once the protocol succeeds, right? Like it's, it's it, you have a protocol that works on Ethereum and then the Ethereum platform becomes stronger. Right. But, so but unless you already held Ethereum currency, it's not like you're benefiting. Right. But the idea is that, you know, the people who enter early get get the Ethereum 
currency or ether or whatever it is in this case um you know at lower rates and and because it, it's sort of a network effect kind of situation because the system becomes more valuable the more people are using it that it expands the value and in this case you know the value actually can be tied directly back to a monetary value which is a little bit different than than you know historical uh protocols and therefore there's a way to to profit off of the protocols right which gets back to the point that that albert was making yeah So, Hirsch, did we stump you here? <laughs> no, uh, you know, I'm just thinking about it. Um, <laughs> you know, because I, I'll, you know, I'll say before before we started this podcast, and and I mentioned Albert's thing. You you seem skeptical, right? Are you rethinking that? No, I'm not. It was so so. See, the thing is, is is essentially in order for Albert's uh, uh, Albert's sort of theory to come true. Uh-huh. You essentially need it to be so that when someone, it, number one, it has to be that when someone wants to start a new protocol, it's more advantageous to sort of start a new currency, right? As opposed to build on an existing one. Why? Um, because, like, think about it. Like, if there's a mature currency, the additional value that you would get from building one more incremental protocol on it would be small. Right. In um, terms of the total value of the currency. Yeah, potentially. And so if you held Bitcoin now and you built one small incremental additional benefit to it, mm-hmm. it how much will it increase the value of Bitcoin? It, it, your holdings aren't going to pay for. Your right. So, so in, the, in those situations, it's diluted. So, so if you build it as a separate, separate blockchain cryptocurrency right. setup. And but takes, the idea and here is up, that. Yeah. Then, but the idea here is that it's only that's only going to work if it takes off, and then it will have value because it'll take off, right? Well, well, the thing is, see, that's where I think that let's say you come up with a great idea and you put it on your proprietary um, blockchain, right? Mm-hmm. And you think, hey, I have the original seed uh, currency in this, and so when it takes off, I'm going to be a millionaire, right? But the thing is, a valuable idea like that can very easily be backported onto Ethereum, which is already existing. Uh, a platform right where you can you can put these protocols on and someone will put it there and that and that place since it has already has a large existing uh, bunch of users it will be a more compelling place for people to implement this idea right? right but even so I mean you know there's an argument that if it is making it more valuable like won't that expand the the value of the currency uh, isn't it I mean, incrementally that's what the- what I mean is that's not to say that it won't make ethereum as an ecosystem better what I'm saying is it what doesn't come true is his prediction that this will create an incentive to create more protocols because simply increasing incrementally increasing the value of ethereum doesn't create enough of a payout to form that incentive right uh it's just it will be a small incremental increase mm. right so i that that's that's a part i mean the only way you get the large payout that that is sort of the huge incentive to create the new protocols is if each one of these guys, DeNovo, creates a new blockchain and each one of those that's a great protocol, uh, is, is there's solid uptake such that those currencies become popular. Right, but, also, the, the, but that's the point, right? I mean, if, if there isn't solid uptake, then then it doesn't catch no, 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 on, no. and that's yeah, fine, right? No, but, but they see, there's, there's different reasons why a currency wouldn't have uptake, right? Like, just because you have a good... You have to understand, in order for a protocol that is on a blockchain to be uh, a currency that's valuable, that currency should also have right, uptake, but, right? But, but but that's, I mean, I think that's part of his argument is that that currency will become more more valuable because, because you'll the, need more more tokens, right? You'll so, need more tokens for the feature of that 
protocol. Yeah. Right. But the problem is, is what I'm saying is when you create that new blockchain, right? And let's say you don't have the tokens on this blockchain, but you do want to benefit from this decentralized new protocol. What would, what would you do since you, you do would just hold go Ethereum? You go it to somewhere else. Do yeah, it you would, where you I already see. have the tokens, which would be in either Bitcoin or in Ethereum. Now, that's not to say that his uh, his prediction can't come true because you could very easily build a bridge from Ethereum or Bitcoin through an exchange, etc., such that you could exchange Bitcoin and Ethereum for this protocol specific. Um, well, I mean, he definitely currency, en right? envision, envisions that the, the tokens would be purchased with another currency, right? Exactly. So, so I mean, it, it's possible. It's hard to say. But I think of all the different kinds of ways of... And, and in that case, I mean, you know, that, that still works, right? Because it's just about the exchange rate. And if the the protocol becomes more valuable, then the exchange rate will change and it'll take care of that situation. Right? Yeah, I mean, it, maybe maybe it works in, in some of those cases. But, you know, the other weakness in what he's saying is that, you know, there's a there's only a, a narrow family of protocols uh, which are uh, which sure. can, which would be built on a blockchain. Right. Everything doesn't have to do with a global maintaining a global state. Right. Which is really what a blockchain is about. Uh, a lot, you know, like messaging doesn't care about that. So the, it's really not an incentive for for those kinds of decentralized protocols. Right. Maybe, maybe. I don't, I don't know. It's interesting. The, the one other area that I was thinking about as potentially an area where protocols could be interesting, where there's a lot of development going on right now, is in the artificial intelligence world. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, there's all these different systems out there now. Is there a place for an open protocol? I, th I think uh, some companies are making an effort already to sort sure. of make a... Uh, I don't know if it's a protocol, but they're trying to make an, uh, a standardized platform that they want researchers to build off of. I think Google is trying that. Um, yeah, Google's trying that. And I think that, you know, there's kind of a, at least a standardized language. People are like already crying out for everyone's redoing the same work in terms of like yep. libraries. And they're like, look, you know, everyone is everyone has like a hello intent, like so many different <laughs> there's so many different ways right. to describe like different intents already and someone's like we why is everyone redoing all these things over and over and over again you know and i think from a, from a business case it's almost as like what's it's not quite tragedy of the commons there's like I don't, I don't know how to describe it but it's like everyone is redoing the work because nobody else wants to kind of let everyone benefit from their own work kind of right sure um Yes, I don't know what to call that, but the tragedy of the like keep it to yourself kind of thing. <laughs> Not invented here. But I, I don't know if that it has, you know, it's very early days with a lot of this deep learning stuff. And I think, you know, I think Google's open source stuff will probably find some purchase, at least in academic settings, which essentially will make it so that it will probably be you know, yeah. a decade down the line, a, a pretty much a standard in how people do stuff. But it's again, it's not a protocol in the same sense. No. And, I, and it's more like a platform. On yeah, I mean, to me, it kind of feels like that one, you have too many people sort of already entering the space, you know, with their own solutions, and they may be sort of open sourced or open for use and open APIs, but they're not right. really open protocols. But maybe, right? you know, maybe a, another pattern to look at here is more along the lines of like a, a data pool or like shared learnings or, sure. um, you know, there, there are different ways like that essentially what a protocol is trying to solve here is, you know, a lot of different people are working on similar problems and they need to agree on something in order for yeah. the entire ecosystem to progress forward. Right. So, so what about Dennis? I mean, the the podcast yeah. that we did just a few weeks ago. What about the chatbot space that you're yeah. living in these yeah. days? Like, I mean, is that one where an open protocol could be really handy? Definitely. I mean, like, I'm I'm working with several different messaging networks. You know, every every one of which has a different messaging protocol. But you know, on the flip side, like, I see 
that Facebook is very different than kick, which is very different than Slack. Right. And like mm-hmm. there's, if you wanted to kind of do like an extensible protocol, like the, the point at which these, these messaging platforms start to diverge is actually pretty like low. Um, like it, mm. there's not necessarily a lot of commonalities between the platforms that if you really kind of look at it, you know, conceptually it feels really similar. And I, and I think I really understand the challenges of, like the messaging, you know, the I am the I am client mm-hmm. uh, fracturing of that space, and you know the the mobile messaging network, you know, space is similarly fractured. Um, but yeah, you know, it's it's uh, this, the same kind of problem where a lot of different people trying to solve their vertical, small, specific problems with proprietary systems as as compared to trying to use one big solution to solve everything. It's hard. I think a lot of times when you see proprietary solutions doing nearly the same thing with wildly different kind of architectures, I, I don't think it's because those different architectures were necessary for their specific implementation. It's rather that like with convergent evolution, you just take different paths to get to the same place. Yeah. And so you're you're different just because you took a different path right. to get there. And so your your approach and your architecture would be incompatible with your competitors, but it wouldn't need to be that way. If there was an open standard, they would probably be able to achieve 90% of what they're doing with the open standard. It's just they would get to it through a different path, right? right? It's just um, that these two animals that can't breed, but they do the same thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, what is it? Sunbirds and uh, hummingbirds in North America and sunbirds in Africa. They look very similar, but yeah. completely uh, different species. <laughs> but I think that's actually, and you don't have the, you know, nature can't really refactor those two birds into a similar no. right. protocol right. in the same way, you know. It's hard really to refactor kind of core things once you've kind of progressed far mm-hmm. enough down this uh, evolution. Interesting. All right. Well, um, we've gone over our usual amount of time, but it's an interesting discussion. I'm sure we could go for a bunch longer on it. But um, I think I think it's interesting. I think I, I came in thinking that, that open protocols were dead, and I'm coming out of it thinking that maybe that's not true. Um, so I don't know if yeah, any of I, I think they'll come. I mean – they might take different forms than what what you're yeah. used to seeing an open protocol is. And I think if you take a higher level of view of it, which is, you know, how do we all agree on working on stuff such that it, it benefits a larger community? It's kind of a yeah. nice way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Uh, Hirsch, any last words on, from your end? <laughs> I can't really think of Hirsch anything. Fell, <laughs> fell over. Yeah. <laughs> We we have completely satisfied Hirsch's uh, desire to discuss this topic. Yeah, clearly, <laughs> exhausted. Yeah. All right, all right. Well, it was a good good conversation, and uh, thanks guys for for having it. Thanks everyone for listening, and uh, we'll be back next week with uh, some other topic. All right, bye guys.